0: Hi, and welcome to The Spoil Voters, a podcast based around the 2020 general election and the fallout after as we prepare for life under the 33rd dawn.
1: He's back. He's back. Yeah. yeah. James James Ross, he's back. I'm popping in He never left, even though he lost his seat.
0: Uh, ah, sure. It's a The happy, happy chappy. There's only a second. There's a senior hurling. Um, that's all I'm saying. I'm <laughs> I think Joe,
1: you, you forget about that, that uh, Shin led by a female leader. It wasn't mentioned at all that there could have been a, the first female t-, t shock.
0: Hello and welcome to the Spoiler Butter podcast with me, Tyke Valley. This week, I'm joined as ever by my two panelists, Callum Atkinson and Shane Brennan. Uh, and this week, we have a bit of an interesting show for you. Um... We're going to look at a couple of different things we've got a few different topics from a few different areas of what's going on right now in, in politics so first we're going to we're going to take a look at um sort of where we are in government information talks as we do every single week we record this podcast because it's just what we it's it's what we do um then we're going to look at the leaving start uh, and what's going to happen next with that and where we are and how they've managed to reach that decision to cancel the leaving start. And as well as that, we're going to touch on the possibility of a general election during the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, so we're going, to, we're going to move on. We're going to start off and we're going to go and we're going to talk about government information talks. So the big news this week is that we've had two dropouts from, well, three dropouts actually because the game two dropped in as well. But the high profile ones <laughs> are, are Labour and the Social Democrats have both decided to not engage with... Uh, any kind of government information talks. Now, Shane, um, why do you, why where, how do we reach this sort of conclusion where it is now just the Greens going into talks with Fine Gael and Finnafall?
2: Well, um, well, for a start, uh, you know, you mentioned there we seem to talk about this every week. I almost thought that by uh, by taking the break last week, we might have broken the curse and we might have got yeah. somewhere. But it doesn't not. seem it doesn't seem like that. We're not really <laughs> sort of getting much as to what what's actually happening inside the talks between Fine Gael and Finafal. And the Green Party. But, but what we have found is the fact that the Social Democrats and Labour have both pulled, pulled out. Uh, it's not surprising because, you know, a few weeks ago, the Greens had their 17 uh, points which they put forward. The Labour Party sent a letter to the two Civil War parties, and so did the Social Democrats asking, and, and Labour and the Social Democrats weren't replied to. Finnegan and Finnegan are quite obviously, you know, Putting their eggs in the ba- in the green basket, sort of, because they're quite happy to go with um, with the twelve TDs instead of the six and six. They're quite happy to talk to the Green Party on, on policy, and they're just not even engaging with Labour and the Social Democrats. And it's not really surprising with either party because the Social Democrats, as we know, as Leo Varadkar himself mentioned, is the fact that they were formed by originally a small group of Labour people who pulled out of the government, the coalition, and. The, the last Fine Gael Labour coalition who didn't want to be in government because they objected to um, sort of Labour sort of losing its soul, I guess, in some of the votes that it took. And whereas the Labour Party now, under Alan Kelly's leadership, have said that, that uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, quote, have to be more realistic about their um, ambitions for taxation and things like that. And the fact that, that both parties, particularly Fine Gael, held on so long to their promise not to increase uh, USI and income taxes, a promise which caused much friction within the, between the parties in the last government between 2011 and 2016. And they're still not, like, they're not um, open to dropping that, and they're not replying to Labour uh, uh, asking them questions about policy. So why would Labour stay in? And why would the Social Democrats stay in? They're obviously not talking back to them. They're quite happy talking to the Greens, and the Greens are in coalition talks, but I mean, why would Labour and the Social Democrats stay in when Fianna Gael and Fianna Fail quite evidently don't um, want to engage with them? So, like that—that's why those parties have dropped out. As for ANtU, I haven't a clue what's going on with ANtU. To be honest, uh, I'm not—I I don't really think many people have been putting much spotlight on them. I don't I, think we. I heard they, they had those a, coming
1: had I heard they had a big debate. Uh, Pater Rabbitown was—he was—he'd go to one end of the table and say something, and then he'd go to the other end and say that <laughs> the opposite.
0: Yeah, I, I never I I never really expected any to get too far into government formation talks. I mean, they've won T D s they're essentially an independent. So I, I never really had much stake in them actually going into a government. But I think it is interesting that now that things have narrowed considerably, it is looking more likely that if any of the parties drop out of uh formation talks due to uh the programme for government not being passed by uh, their grassroots, is that more than likely that programme for government is dead in the water and there's going to be nobody else who could step up to engage with it. What will have to happen then is that we'll have to have, what I'd imagine will be, is that Fianna Fáil will have to just bite the bullet and engage with Sinn Féin alongside another third party, which I can imagine would be the Greens. Um, Because if... If the if Green if the Green Party were to fail their, their vote um in a grass in the in the grassroots, I could see it being much more likely to pass if Fine Gael were removed from that situation and replaced with Sinn Fein. I could see that being a bit more palatable for Green Party members. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Colin. Uh
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. Um saw so as Simon Coveney was Saying that uh, they, I, I think Faradka has said it as well that they 're hoping for a government by the middle of June, which which we, at least it gives us some indication of when we can expect these the program for government to be finalized and then mm-hmm. sent to the grassroots and I think that that's that 's probably more of a definite day for Finnegale because if you look at the polls another election that would, uh, would seem to benefit them. So mm-hmm. I think they can kind of play the game where they're like, we, they, want to go, they want to form the, the coalition at the moment. But if it doesn't, then I think they're more comfortable in going to in another election while Fianna Fáil are, you know, the polls are looking, as, as good as the polls are looking for Fine Gael, they're looking as bad for Fianna Fáil. So I think what you say is actually interesting that if it comes to it, Fianna Fáil will have a choice of whether to engage with Sinn Féin, say, or go back to uh, the polls, which seem very bad for their party and their future. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think there will be, in the next in the next couple of weeks, there'll be serious negotiations on the program for government, and I th- I've, I think I probably more I'd say it's more likely than not that they will form a government, the Fianna Fail, Fine Gael, and the Greens, but I think that theory you had there isn't that crazy, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Well, uh,
0: I think it could be it could be based on. Uh, whether or not they are willing to suffer an absolute hammer in the general election because I cannot see uh <clears throat> I cannot see Pina doing particularly well out of out of the next, especially with how the yeah. polls are looking. They they will be hammered and they will lose a lot of seats to Finegael and they'll lose a lot of seats to Sinn Fein.
2: Yeah, and just uh, and, and they just don't have that, a whole lot of seats already. And just on that as well, I think the Greens would get hammered if, if they didn't go into government because let's be fair with this, out of all the left parties, the one party that sort of has a mandate and their sort of raison d'etre which would bring them into government is the Greens mm-hmm. I know Leo, Leo Racker wants to have a program for government by the end of the month and then we'll see what the parties uh, will go on. It's quite obvious that something will have to be promised quite extra to get the Green Party along with that two-thirds majority and Eamon Ryan obviously doesn't want to lose his position as party leader because um, their constitution says that six months after an election they have to have a leadership election mm-hmm. um, which I personally would think it would be a disgrace if he were thrown out, but that's um, but I'm not in the party, so I have no real saying that. Um, but he's been I, there uh, a very you know, long time, though. Yeah, but he but like you sort of see he he built the party to its best ever electoral standing. But what brought them there may not necessarily be been his leadership. Granted, but what brought them there is the fact that you know the Greens' message is the fact that the climate crisis is a crisis that needs to be dealt with now. What sort of you know, credit you have. Then you have the opportunity to go into government for a, a nearly five years, and you turn it down as a party, even if the parliamentary party wants it, and the rest of the party don't. Because then it obviously looks to, to the rest of the voters, and and you know they, they might put out a different point, but it looks to the majority of the electorate saying, "Well, you obviously don't think it's that. If you're, you're not too worried about it. If you're happy to wait another five years." So, in comparison to you know Labour and the Social Democrats' reasons for not. Wanted to engage and not wanted to go into the government, and obviously Sinn Féin, uh, uh, you know, not wanting to deal with, with both in any sort of way, shape, or form, and the other left parties. I think the only left party of, or the only party of the left, sorry, that has any reason that it should go into government is the Greens because of its climate agenda. Whether or not Finnegan and Fall will um, adhere to to the to doing or giving the Greens what they want. We're still yet to see in this program for government. Some people in the media seem to think that they've completely changed the tack and their will just because they're that desperate to get back in the government and they do not want to have an election, particularly Fianna Fall, as you mentioned. Fianna Gael is the only one who could even benefit from an election. But the only thing is, we thought that about Brexit. The last crisis that this government faced, and we thought the government did well in, it didn't result in an electoral boost for Fianna Gael. So why would COVID-19 be much different? So there's always that risk. So I don't really think anybody wants an election. Um. So an
0: election, election at the an election at the moment will be absolutely fraught with problems, and we're going to discuss that later on. But you mentioned uh, the leadership election in the Greens, and they ha- obviously the, the, their constitution mandates that they have to have, uh, they have to open nominations for a leadership election every single after every every general election. Um. Now we we have some, I'd imagine, probably likely candidates. The only person I can really see that would run is probably Catherine Martin.
2: Um. So Fiona Fall gets rid of one mark, and the Green Party's put up uh, getting, put in one.
1: Yeah, it, it, uh, she's been she was elected at the last the the election before the last one, so she's been around a, a bit as well. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not too familiar with her, you know, policy area, but I think the conflict within the Greens is is about you know what was the headline on that piece today about Eamon Ryan? The something environmentalist or something. The
2: optimistic... Um, I'm looking, I've got to look it up now. I'm going to put this is, on mute the opti- while
1: I... Uh, it is... Yeah, I think it's the optimistic environmentalist, which I think that's one wing of the Green Party, which is obviously who would want to go into coalition. These mm-hmm. very strong on all climate issues. But then the, there's the younger generation who are also... They, they're they very left-wing economically. And John Paul Phelan, the minister... He got rebuked by Varadkar there during the week because he said, uh, I, who was it? Um, Nessa Hergen and uh-huh. pe- people in the Green Party were anti-enterprise and private property. So I do think there's a real conflict at the heart of um, the Green Party. And if there was to be an election, it would be, I'd say Eamon Ryan at stand and it would be somebody who represents that alternative younger generation of the party.
0: It would have to oh, be, no. I, I reckon it would have to be one of the four TDs who voted against um, going into government information talks. Like, I don't yeah. think it could be anybody else. I don't think the likes of, uh, who else voted, voted for? Like the likes of,
1: I don't know. Roger, Roger Garton, Yeah, Roger Gorman, Gorman, Gorman,
0: yeah. Anyone who supports Eben Ryan and going into government information talks, I can't see them standing against him, but I could see the likes of like, Catherine Martin or I think NASA Hurrigan voted against it as well. Um could see them but again NASA Hurricane's a first time TD um, Yeah, so I, I, I don't know was- she probably wouldn't have the, the support yet Catherine Martin is the only one I could realistically see standing up against Ryan
2: Yeah but here's the thing though if let's say for example they have the, the government programme and it doesn't get through the green congress but it's like 60-40 so there's a majority still in favour of it, but it's not a two thirds majority. Mm-hmm. So like, does that give M Ryan the, ma- uh, the the mandate to still go into election again and try to win something else, or does he stack down and let Catherine Martin take the reins? It, like, there's still like there's still a few hypotheticals there mm-hmm. in sort of the inner politics of the party. Um, you know what I mean? So it is. It, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough sort of
0: few weeks for the Greens, I think, because they're gonna have they're gonna get a hammering um on policy and there's going to be a lot of scrutiny going into this program for government and they are going to need to stand up and really stand over their policies in the next government to sort of make sure that they, if, if they can stand over their policies and stand for what they stood for in the election, I don't see why they can't seem fit to do very well after this election, after after yeah. this government. If they basically implement everything they want to implement and don't sort of seem to facilitate the policies of austerity, I can they see want, them coming out and doing pretty well.
1: Yeah it never works out for the co- the minor coalition partners they're what what would the, they'd be i don't know tw- 12 so an eighth of the government uh, say they're not going to get a lot of their uh agenda through um i don't know if they're going to be able to convince the Fine Gael and finefall to radically change their or Fine Gael, sorry, changed their housing policy and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's yeah. it's going to be very difficult for them.
0: It's yeah, there a is, of there is. Who will control housing in the next government? I can't see the control being handed to Fine Gael in the next government. Well, no, I really, that, really that,
2: can't. that would be politically suicide if they did that again. How,
0: but, how
1: could uh, they? Get, they the, public finnaful, back,
0: the public backlash to giving Horn Murphy control of housing again would just they would not be good at all. I could see it back being a very, very big backlash to that, especially after um, the general election. I, I don't. I, I would be very surprised to see Fine Gael have the housing um, portfolio.
2: Yeah, but but on that though, like you know, we were mentioning about getting you know getting the agenda pushed through, and obviously, you know, as Callum has rightly said, when you're a small party, you're not going to get everything done. Mm-hmm. There is a sense though that, that the Green Party are damned to do and damned to don't. So they might as well get in and, and and get a job done while they have it, instead of going to the election and then losing any chance they have for the next five years. That is a, a sort of sense around it. There are still arguments to be made about that because Daniel Woolley was on this a couple of weeks ago. Said you know, put across his view that they could do more in a left wing government in five years' time. Like or, or like if you actually look over a ten year period, then they could if they were in government now. You know what I mean? So like there is sort of that, that inner argument. As for capital spending projects and things like that. Um I'm reading here in the independent that um the government does plan to the headline is the government plans to build its way out of a recession. And there is reported here, as you say, Callum, um, sort of conflicts in housing policy. But it's already interesting to see how people are already looking to find ways to cut funding out of massive capital spending projects like the Metro North, which is which is supposed to cost about five billion. Which let's be fair. And with with Ireland's record of, of building public projects will probably be about seven billion. You know what I mean? Like um, think, higher, Shane. think higher, think higher. Think Much, higher. much higher. Seven billion just for the south side bit. But um, but I mean so there's already a mindset about cutting things and obviously if the Greens the Greens could claim a victory in keeping those projects on track and no pun intended there, but the Metro, by the way, but keeping those <laughs> projects on track and keeping them alive, because obviously you'd imagine the Greens would take over transport, environment, and other areas and that. Um and Fianna Fáil split like, business and finance and things like that. Um, so I, mean, I, is, I would decide, imagine
0: the likes sort of like, public expenditure and finance would be split again. Um, I can't see them being a joint portfolio people, anymore.
2: People have been arguing about that saying that that shouldn't be two separate, um, two separate entities. But let's be fair, if it's if you're having Phoenixale and Fiend Fall working together, you're not gonna have like the minister the finance section just in in under control of the one man, so they're gonna yeah, keep it no. split. It could be Pascal and McGrath. McGrath, yeah. Oh who who, who 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 which one's which though? sure. Uh, ah,
0: Pascal. The, 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 the happy, happy chappy. There's um, only a
2: there's only a certain amount of spaces in the finance. See we're very, very small fiscal space this year. Um
0: <laughs> we're gonna we we'll look at we we'll look at the leaving sort because I I'm I'm fascinated by the, this sort of what's happening now. I remember I was I was I was watching um, listening to I saw a clip on News Talk of Aon Reardon, uh taking the ear off uh, Joe McHugh about the, the the dash schools and how that there could be there's a, definitely a potential for uh, dash schools to do worse based on the bell curve of how school tables operate. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I'd just like to get your thoughts on how this, how we think the predictive marking is going to work. Because I, I, I would have I thought the AR radon is completely right and that it is totally unfair uh, to base grades off of school tables. Like, that is just ridiculous. And that, that is definitely going to influence how people do.
1: Yeah, it's obviously, like, everything it's, it's very difficult. Uh, And most people I've seen are acknowledging that, No, it's a, it's a very difficult situation for the government to be in. But, uh, the whole predictive or whatever you want to call it, grading is, you know, for one, we've no experience of it in the, in, in Ireland, uh, which makes it very difficult. And then you get into all the other issues around, you know, people arguing like, uh, teachers have preference for certain students, et cetera, and all this. And then, like you say, which is, I think is one of the key issues is about how within the, the guidance of, of grading is that results will be weighted depending on the, the school's past performances. So I th- I th- with the fact that there's an option of, of actually sitting the exams, I think, next year sometime. I think that helps a bit, but I do think the whole process is going to be very difficult, and it's 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 all open to legal challenge. I'd I'd say whether anybody will actually uh, take a case depends. We'll will have to be seen, but I, would I think it is, very, it, it is going to be very it is going to be very difficult.
0: I would definitely imagine there will be a few high court cases coming in. Um, after this, because there will be arguments over results, there there will be a lot of teething pains with this, and I can, I can definitely see it, and, it being a big issue.
1: Just just another thing, I saw somebody uh, saying about the fifth fifth years, like obviously leave, the leaving certs a two year course, and the fifth years who have lost, I don't know, what have they lost? Three six, or four, three months, right, six months, six months, yeah, of that of that course, how? What how how's it going to affect next year's leaving cert? So it's it's yeah, no more more problems there.
0: I would be worried about because my brother is doing his leaving cert next year. He's not doing it this year, but he's he's in 50 at the moment and he has been at home sort of doing his little bits and pieces. But I mean, he hasn't got that sort of going to the teacher, like sitting in class doing his work. And I I would be very very surprised if we're not going to go back to normality next year. Uh, with school there is no way we can have packed classrooms anymore with social distancing it's just not going to be possible so this is just going to affect everything until we have some sort of effective treatment or a vaccine Uh, there is no going back to normal schooling for a long long time and we know that with college as well Uh, colleges are also going to have to implement social distancing I know DCU this year have implemented they're going to be doing most of their stuff online with some face-to-face the likes of labs or practicals and very small group stuff but there's going to be no sort of lectures all the lectures have been done online and we obviously we experienced that as well doing our last sort of couple of lectures over zoom um so i'm 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 assuming that's going to be what it's like next year and also have all erasmus is cancelled for the next year so we're we're kind of in a tough spot uh, over the for education it, it will be interesting to see how we adapt to that and i think Moving back to where we were on government information, I think the education portfolio, whoever is under that, is going to have a very difficult time of sort of having to steer this into the right in the right direction and whether or not we need sort of wider reform of how we do our leading cert, how we do our exams, if that is needed. Um, I think that will be a very interesting conversation to watch develop over the next year.
2: Yeah, just uh, on, on that, will Joe McHugh be return as Minister of Education? I doubt it because like many other things – during this crisis the government have done the right thing but taken so long to do it between obviously the advice and face masks the fact that that took so long for them to pick uh you know a lane as to what their advice is and the leaving cert. i mean my you said your brother's in fifth year my brother's in sixth year um you know <laughs> he was he, in, fair, in fairness he, he was fairly happy um that the exams were cancelled, and I, this, this is the way I'll show you. I picked him up from work the day it got cancelled. Uh, he works in the local shop, dropped him back, came in, went straight into the fridge, got out a bottle of cider, raised it, and said, F the Leaving Cert. So he was quite happy enough with that. <laughs> and in fairness, like, he, like, he is expecting to get more, like, more points than I had. Um, like his mocks were, and, as I'm sure you, you'll agree, your mocks don't reflect what you're what you, uh, yeah. getting in the Leaving Cert. And his, like, his mocks wouldn't be good enough what he got. His what he would have preferred, and what many other students would prefer, is the fact that, it is you know, if the universities could just give you the courses you applied to. That was number one, your CAO. But that's not really realistic because sometimes you know the the like far more people apply than actually go to the course. So I think this whole thing with predictive grading is the right way to go. I do fundamentally agree though that the bell curve thing is will go against desk schools and things like that because you know. It's all right for my brother because the school we're going to, apparently, supposedly, uh, it's out of all the non-fee-paying schools, we're like the best in Caldera, so it won't be too bad for us. But for the likes of a school in nearby at Thigh, which is like an industrial town, you can imagine as well, and many schools in Dublin, you know, there are students there who would have got much better. And the predictive grades will come in a certain way. They'll be knocked down in a way they shouldn't be. And the teachers as well, weirdly enough, the teachers' union supported this uh, framework that joe McHugh put out albeit i personally believe McHugh sort of made his decision weeks ago not waited so long because unnecessary stress and like a lot of classes have taken place which are now not even being taken into account sure, look, in had, grading and things like that gave, so he gave a date a couple of weeks ago that the, the leaving start June twenty and um, july 29th exactly so and it's, and it's and then, ridiculous how
0: he just sort of flip-flopped on it
2: yeah it, it, so he should have just I believe that the predictive grading should be put in from very early. Uh, I can see why there is an appetite to actually do the exams, um, but it is not possible. And and the teachers' unions were in favour of this, even though that uh, some of them are now coming under pressure from students emailing, trying to get, you know, trying to put pressure on teachers of better grades, which you know is shameful. But that's what what you expect happening. But it is unpre- now it is unprecedented times. And that word "unprecedented" has been used an unprecedented number of times in the last few weeks. Um,
1: <laughs> I preferred "precedented" times.
0: So. <laughs> but um, bring me back to the the day as a senior hurler. Um, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. I've, I've, just I,
1: just I, a I, just a final thing on education in general. With I, I've seen a lot of a good few people talking about you know third level, and their their problems with you know being underfunded, etc. And with the fact uh, you know, a lot of international students with Erasmus being cancelled, uh a lot of international students aren't going to come to Irish universities next year, I'd imagine. And I think that, that's pro- that's gonna be a massive uh shortfall for the universities. So I'll be interested to see how that ends up developing.
2: I think and that, and just just a very quick side note as well. Uh just on the education as well, the whole sort of battle that you mentioned between O'Riordan and um and McHugh. And sort of helped the Labour Party in sort of building their sort of the quo within younger voters. Because let's be fair, there's always a little bit in the background of who won in these battles. Because we see many people going after McHugh, whereas you know, whereas O'Reardon was sort of the main voice against the fork for des schools. You have other people in the background talking about wider reform, like um, oh, what's his name, Ginger Lad from Dublin Central, Social Democrat.
1: Gary uh, Gannon.
2: Gannon. Gary Gannon, yes. I can't believe I forgot his name. And uh, Gary Gannon was uh, speaking more, I was watching the DAW last week, speaking more generally about reform, which, you know, that topic will come into the fore more in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, the the boost of support for Labour has come uh, <laughs> on social on social media. To see the thing that so, that uh, Sean Lafoe put out, uh, the amount of seats each party would have, it was based oh, on Twitter followers. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Sinn Féin, like 53 in Labour, were second with 21 seats. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and, and there have been a, quite a boost in following online and joining and youth vote because O'Rean has been so loud in advocating for the deschools. schools. So I know obviously much of what we're talking about is on genuine, you know, substantive points. But on a little p- political playing point as well, uh, I think Labour got a win there. Oh,
0: definitely. I mean, like, I, 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 never thought I didn't think McHugh was particularly strong in that issue, um, and I think that that will definitely work in Labour's favour. I can just to finally finish on that. You mentioned the funding issues for third level. Now that we are not going to be having seeing as many foreign students coming into the Ireland, Irish, Irish universities and colleges, I think that's going to be a big issue for again the incoming government they are going to have uh, they're probably like i think i read somewhere that they are going to be the most unpopular government in irish in irish history and i could i believe it because they're going to have to do a lot of unpopular things um they're going to have to take a lot of heat uh for what they do and they're going to have to stand over it and they're going to have to take the brunt of the electorate the next time and i think irish universities are going to face a very very difficult next few years um especially just based on funding like they, they just don't have enough it's not there like they're using student accommodation to get funding they're using borrowing students to get massive amounts of funding It it's just not there the The money isn't there um, yeah I just it's it's plain to see I think for I know a lot of universities have spoken out about it and the IUA has spoken about it and the USI has spoken about it and newer student unions across the country have spoken about it
2: yeah, I, I just hope they don't fall back in their old plans to uh, introduce uh, a British or Australian-style um, system where it's like the, where the fee is 5,000 a year to find loans for that mm-hmm. instead of the 3000 year contribution and the SUSE grants, things like that. Um, something, which oh, incidentally, something which, incidentally, my local TD, our former local TD, Fiona Lockham, was uh, in charge of the committee for that and she's since lost her seat. So, you know, you, you wonder if there's any popularity in that. And the fact that, that the government completely backtracked on it you wouldn't know if you and UniGather get together whether if they're trying to look for funding and if it's not coming from broader student accommodation that they'll end up going to raising fees.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think raising fees would definitely be a bad idea. Um, they they won't find any popularity in that considering we already have the most expensive fees in Europe now that the, the UK have, have left. Um, and I've I've, I've had, had that brought up to me on numerous occasions about members of the USI that we have the highest fees in Europe. And that is one of their key points that they are constantly making uh, for reduction of fees. I and mean, The only promise that students have gotten is that fees would be frozen at 3000 Again, that was before yeah. this happened. We don't know and what's there, going to happen and next. And
2: there'll be an expansion of the SUSE grant, but we just don't even know the stories of that and whether or not that'll be based off wage earned or not earned, rather, in 2020. I think I think we could probably consider a lot
0: of the promises that were in old manifestos before this election. Probably, if not dead in the water, they're very close to drowning. Um, so <laughs> we could we could be waiting a while to see some of that stuff come in. Okay, and we're gonna quickly look at we're gonna look at the possibility of our our favorite thing an election um, coming in after during the COVID nineteen crisis. Obviously, this would not be any kind of normal election. This would be probably a, a once in a lifetime sort of thing. I, it would I can't be imagine. unprecedented. Absolutely, yeah, completely yes. unprecedented. Um, so, so I know our Minister Minister for Housing and Local Government, Owen Murphy, has um, been looking at plans to what would happen, to how would they be able to hold a general election uh, during a pandemic. Um, in, in the case of if the talks between the Green Party, Fianna Fall and Fianna fail. fail. Um, I have just a couple of points from it here, is that um, there would be voting will be done uh, over a couple of days it'd be staggered, it would be all at once over the course of a the day. Um, there will be postal voting for people who are cocooning, is one of the things that they're looking at. Um, uh, the voting in nursing homes to ensure that as many people can vote as possible, um, and then the counts would probably take place like the way the Shannon election was held, um, where it's done in a closed environment, probably with very very little um, interaction between the likes of the press or uh, incoming TDs. Um, it'd be it'd be far more difficult, I think, for journalists to cover it. I, I think it would make for bizarre sort of watching and. I'd love to sort of cover something like that, but I mean, it's just, I don't know how it would work considering, I, I mean, like I, we, we covered, a few of us covered the, um, the most recent general election we went, I was, a, I was at Louth, the Louth count center and it was a very, it was a buzzing atmosphere. Like there was people everywhere. There's the place was packed. It was, it's quite a, like a large convention room and it had like the little walled off area of counters. And then they had the press and they had supporters of T of TDs and, and, uh, candidates, and you could just sort of walk around, and you could talk to anybody, and you could sort of see everything was happening, and it was happening at quite a quick pace. But that would be completely thrown out the window if, if we had um, a sort of closed-off general election, and uh, uh, not even to mention the fact how long it would take to count the bloody votes. We'd be waiting <laughs> yeah, a long, long time.
1: Let, um, let's ho- let's hope it doesn't
0: happen. Yeah, look, realistically, <laughs> yeah. I, I would really, really hope it doesn't.
2: Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the old stalwarts of uh, of Irish electoral c- culture have to be thrown out. Everything except for senior hurling quotes. Uh, but like th- <laughs> things like you know, th- things like you know going to the doorstep, shaking hands, like even putting up posters and things like that, you'd you'd wonder because let's face it, two people putting up posters, working on a the ladder, there isn't a whole lot of social distancing there now. Um it has to be all like it literally. I mean, we would talk about the air war in this election. It'd be twice as much if it had to happen again within the next. Um, 12 months it'll all be you know radio television uh, newspapers things like mm-hmm. that um, so like again I hope it doesn't happen as much as election is great crack it's not great crack when we're all locked down and like they could end up spreading a virus and, and you know
1: if, if there was another election would they have another uh, you know four months of talks and El Shane Ross would still be a minister and Regina Doherty that
0: would be so strange. Like we would, even worse, elected. We would be a, count-tick, a
1: count-tick <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. He's back. He's he back. Must, yeah, he's back. back. popping He never left, even he, though he lost his seat. He's photo He's he photo bombing his way back into a seat. I wonder if he could make a seat back. That's uh-huh. the thing, though. Like, 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 we don't like if if a lecture were to happen. We don't know who who lost could get back in. We don't know yeah. who even won could get back in. Would the, would sh- the Sinn Féin wave be even more? Would they lose out? Um, I mean, God knows what would happen because, because based on polls, all we're expecting is a Fianna Fáil wipeout That's it mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I, I, I'd be really, really interested to see like, I mean, you mentioned like, how Labour did with a uh, Reardon today um, Would they do better off the back of stuff like that? Or would the Social Democrats lose seats? Or with the Greens plus, lose plus seats?
2: Plus, a- a- Alan Kelly is a more place. interesting leader than Brendan Howland Even if his policies may not be as measured Mm-hmm. It's mean, definitely more um, out there anyway than how it ever was.
1: The Social no, Democrats were like with their vote, uh, with their percentage of the vote, they actually did well to get six seats. Um, so I don't know.
2: Yeah, there's, there's actually uh, Social Democrats are due to have a leadership election as well. Yes, they are. Um, um, oh yeah. So how, will, will they whittle it down to to one now? Uh, because obviously you, you can have co-leaders when there's only two. Uh, TDs but they're not hardly going to have all six TDs being co-leaders and we're going to see a short haul versus Murphy battle. That's, I, it's I interesting that you mention that because I think it, it might it
0: might look better for the Social Democrats if they didn't consolidate to one leader. Um, give, it, give it Gannon.
2: Nah, see, no, because because if they give it to a male leader then they do not be differentiated from themselves and everybody else we are all run by male leaders <laughs> by champagne.
1: I think. I think. Uh, the, you, you forget about that—that that, uh, Sinn Féin are led by a female leader. You know, it wasn't mentioned at all that there could have been a, the first female T. Shock. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh,
0: but like I mean, we look at we look at the the way a general election would be held. Like everything would have to change. Everything, like we would change the way it's reported on, the way it's broadcast, the way politicians interact with the general public. I would imagine that. So the amount of money spent on social media ads would skyrocket. Absolutely, yeah. skyrocket.
1: And,
2: like, and we'd be we, talking about Sinn Féin again. We haven't talked about Sinn Féin in weeks. What's going wrong? What's wrong with us, lads? I mean, uh, used, to, I don't know. That used, that used to be the talk of the town after the election. <laughs> They'd have, have to come uh, back well, to I mean, the spoiled voters. You never know. They might. Be,
0: if, if all things go wrong for for Fianna Gael, Greens, and Fianna Fail, you never know. We could be talking about Sinn Féin sooner than we think. And again, yeah, it might be. Might be probably going to be leader of the. Mary Lou's probably going to be leader of the opposition,
2: so we could be talking about her again soon. Um, well, I know Queeve, or, or maybe if she's T-Shock, Queeve will be taunted.
0: Queeve <laughs> is taunted. It wasn't that for his grandfather died. Sure.
2: <laughs> there's actually, yeah, as well as that, there's a big piece today in the end, though, about, about Dev's um, speech uh, given out to Churchill back in 1945. I'm sure some of the all-time FINA followers will be sharing that, trying to build up some some good anti-British support on the with the week
0: of VE Day uh, VE Day what happened over there in England VE Day was just ridiculous to watch
1: but anyway we, they did the conga for, for VE Day uh,
0: dance for Boris <laughs> um, yeah I, I think I, I think a general election is definitely going to be which, like I said massive spending increased on social media like we we only we had Sinn Féin who spent mad money on social media this time But
1: did they? I, spent thought fall fall spent, I thought Finna, Finna, fall spent Finna
0: Fall spent the most. No, yeah, was, I think was, they did. It's much more than us, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like again, we're going to have huge amounts of money spent on yeah, it. Yeah, I
2: mean, it like, fin- that, that'll be Finna the main... Gale... Sorry, as I said, Fianna did didn't need to spend money because they're too busy getting, getting lambasted and roasted for their um, go- um, what up, things, Google About Me videos. Oh, so they didn't yeah. need to spend money to get publicity.
0: The social media t shock. yeah. Ah, uh, look, it, it, it'll it'll be interesting, and sort of how it's how it's performed and whether or not it even has to happen will be interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks. But I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there because we've have gone on quite a while. I think we went on longer than uh, we had recently. It's a, it's a bonus episode to make up bumper, for last week. Bumper podcast. Um, so thanks very much for listening uh, to us this week. We're we'll back again next week. We skipped a week last week because uh, we wanted to sort of wait and develop and see if anything else more interesting happened uh actually i'd like to mention as well that we our podcast was recently shortlisted for an award um for the app podcast awards uh run by dcu speakeasy uh society unfortunately we didn't we didn't win but i mean it was just nice to be to be shortlisted as uh one of the top eight podcasts yeah
2: um, and uh, and thank you to the 169 people who voted for us in the instagram yes. poll last week as well shout thank out to uh, it's definitely much appreciated. Um, thank you for anybody
0: who's listening. Thanks very much for engaging and listening. Um, we do appreciate it. It's it's nice to sort of have people listening. In. Um I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Um, thank you very much for listening this week. Thank you, Shane and Callum, for your uh, stalwart performances as the the two panelists. I uh, will see you again next week. Best of luck.